pastors this year across the United States. I've been 20 years as your pastor, and I want you to know this has been the toughest, the absolute toughest winter ever. Totaling over six and a half feet of snow, over 110 days below the freezing mark. I've been here two months now, and you guys keep telling me that it's never been like this. You know what I have to say to that? Yeah, right. I've experienced some extreme winters in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, but never, ever did I experience a winter like we experienced in Michigan in the winter of 2014. After living the majority of my life in the South, I actually had prayed for snow. In the middle of February, when I realized we'd had six and a half feet of snow, I want you to know I stopped praying for prayer. So join us on March the 30th for God Out Alive Day because we made it out of the winter of 13 and 14. Today is just a fun way to say, amen, winter is officially over. Amen? It is a balmy, as Pastor Joe said, 27 degrees outside, and, uh, and, life, is, uh, and life is pretty good, isn't it? And uh, by the way, I, I know that you, everybody's thinking, like, are you going on vacation today, you know, decked out like this? And... Some people are going to Aruba, and some people are going to Bahamas, and some people are going to Daytona Beach. I'm going to Dayton, Ohio. I mean, it's just, just you know, tropical, you know, capital of the world, Dayton, Ohio. So anyway, we're glad you're here. Pastor Joe is going to come out. Welcome Pastor Joe back to the stage here. And uh, now I like stats. Pastor Joe likes stats. So, mm -hmm. so give us some stats about just how bad this winter was. Oh, Pastor Mike, it's so bad. The snow was like over six and a half feet of snow. We're only an inch and three quarters away from the record. Yeah. And so that's, that's like more snow than I am tall, twice as much as you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah see, see, that wasn't funny. No. No, that wasn't. On behalf of Governor Snyder, he proclaims this winter is over. Uh, in case you don't know who this is, this is Ranger Bob. Actually, today he would be Ranger Bahama Bob. And uh, get your cell phones out, get your smartphones out. We want you to take pictures. We want you to post this baby on your Facebook because they're going to look at this and go, you go to where to church? <laughs> Bahama Bob. But, but he, he, he first made an appearance with us a couple years ago at our canoe trip which is a wonderful time when we as a church go up north around Traverse City. It's not a canoe trip. It's a family camping trip where we take a canoe, you know, day to, to go canoeing if you want to. But it's a wonderful time around the 7th, 8th, 9th of August. And you'll hear a whole lot more about that. But, uh, and so, Ranger Bahama Bob, uh, thanks for coming. What brings you our way today? Well, Governor Schneider is so very, very proud yes. of the people of Michigan. Yes, he is. He called me into his office. He said, Ranger Bob, I'm so proud of the people of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And he used words like, well, you know, uh, they're, they're conquerors. Mm. They're... They're victorious. Mm -hmm. They made it through. And he said they ought to be hailed. So if you would repeat after me, he wanted me to do this for you. Hail to the victor's valiant. Wait, wait, Hail wait, to wait. the conquering hero. Wait. Hail, wait, 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 w
your Bahama Bob. It's Governor Snyder. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, I, uh, did he really tell you to say he that? He told me to say that. He's very proud of it. He said the only people that have been whining about the weather are those people who didn't grow up here. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and he, he, hail, hail, let me see again. Does Governor Snyder know I'm from Ohio? And it's like, we go O-H. There we go, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Now, some of you just, you know, but he doesn't know that? He flies over that state. Ah, I got it. I got it. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, this will be the closest to maize and blue that you'll ever see me in. Mm. So uh, snap your picture now because uh, it will not, will not, will not happen. Uh, by the way, I am a little conflicted because, you know, University of Michigan is in the, the game today. Really? Yes. They play, uh, University, they play University of Kentucky. Governor Snyder's very interested in it. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. He's got all of his money in it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, just uh, want to let you know that I will be pulling for Michigan State this afternoon. Uh, and, uh, and Bahama Bob, you'll be pulling for? I'll be pulling for Michigan. Michigan. Because it's pure mahalo, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, we're so glad you came our way. Anything else from Governor Snyder? Or uh, did the hail to the victor thing kind of? That was, that was all Ranger Bob and from the <laughs> Okay, all right. Well, listen, what we want to do with the help of Pastor Joe and Ranger Bob, Bahama Bob is we want to give out some gifts. Now, these are gifts that just look forward to summer. A lot of them have the same thing in them, beach towel, little copper tones, some stuff for picnic lunches. And then, uh, and then each of them got, one of them has a park pass for the Willow Metro Park. Uh, another one has, we, we promise you one of these will put you in a place where you will get a Bahama breeze. Yeah? <laughs> right. You got that? So That's well, big. That's, that's big. big. That's, that's big. big. So, so this is like, I, I promise you this is, <laughs> this is not rigged in any way, shape, fashion, or form. If your number is called, get your ticket out. If your number is called, we want you to come up, get your Pastor Joe, make your, take your picture with, with um, Ranger Bahama Bob, and then you'll get one, two, three. You'll get the first one, then the second one, you'll get the second one, and so on. So get your tickets out. Here we go. Ticket number. The first ticket number is 276-1452. Hey, we have a winner. <laughs> right over here. Yeah, give it up. Come on up. See? In the true spirit of Get Out of Live Day, she took off her winter coat to come up. And, and that's great. Yep, yep. Come on up. Come on up. We got to get a picture right here and, uh, and uh, give a nice round of applause right here as we take the, the picture. Great. Thank you. Just stand right between them there. And awesome. By the way, feel free to snap this, post this on Facebook. Okay, hold on a second. Hold on a second. We're just going to crank click in that double click thing in the. Yeah. One more time. We're yeah. just. We're just going to love how she explains this to her family. Gotcha. You know. Okay. 
And, uh, and that, that's great. Thank you so much. Food, right? You're welcome. What's that? Diet food. Diet food. Exactly, exactly. All right. The second gift goes to, this was the one that has the park passes and uh, for here in Metro Park. The number is... 276-1473. Somebody was close anyway. Huh? <laughs> oh. 1473? Oh, oh, here we go. Just to let you know, my wife in the first service, when there was this pause because we couldn't find one of the persons who had the ticket number, my wife spoke up and goes, it's me, you know, and it's like, no, it wasn't. But anyway, come on over. This is Christy, step right up there and... Uh, it's actually Rod's. Oh, oh here you go. There you go. Yeah. So nice of you to accept his gift. Yes, yes. Yeah, he'll, Rod will look good in the flip-flops right there. <laughs> and so everybody take a picture, post this baby on Facebook. By the way, if you have your sunglasses while we're announcing, yeah, give her a nice round of applause. On your way out, we do have a free pair of sunglasses for everybody. If you've got them already, take a picture, do a selfie while we announce the last prize winner, all right? Take this one right here. Oh, yeah, selfie. <laughs> wow. 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 <laughs> That's all I got. Check the Kirby Church Facebook <laughs> account. Uh, for that one. All right, last one. This one will put you right in the middle of Bahama Breeze restaurant. All right, so here we go. 276-1845. Come on down. It's a washer and dryer. Right here. here we go. Oh, this is the big prize. This is Mike. the big prize. This, is, this is the big prize right here, man. This is like, this is like, like great stuff. Now, this is going to be so cool because your friends just may not get what's happening to you right now, but we'll, we'll explain it to them on your that, Facebook that page. That bag's your color. All right? There you go. And, uh, and, and All right. We'll, Hold it up there. We'll do that. Yep. How Give him you? a hug, Bahama Bob. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Oh, that's good. One more. One more. Everybody, make sure you snap posties on your uh, Facebook. Awesome. All very right. nice. Very nice. So you going to tell me about the prize, here, the big prize? Way. Yeah, the big prize is gift certificate to Bahama Breeze Restaurant. There we go. Uh, that's and it. And that one as well as the other stuff. Hey, would you give Ranger Bahama Bob and Pastor Joe a nice round of applause? Thank you, guys. Well, hey, as much as we love having a good time at Kirby Church, and by the way, if this is your first time with us, you're probably thinking, what in the world did I stroll into today? Uh, well, listen, we're a group of people that love Jesus Christ with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and we believe he's not only a God of holiness and righteousness, he's a God of joy and love, and he delights in giving great gifts. In fact, he gave the greatest gift of all, he gave his son, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave the greatest gift ever, his only begotten son, that if any of us would dare to believe in him, then we would not perish but have everlasting life. And so in Jesus Christ, I want you to know he's greater than anything. And that's the theme of the book of Hebrews. Turn to Hebrews chapter 4. We're in a series entitled Greater Than. 
And in the book of Hebrews, in, Gen- in Hebrews chapter 1, he talks about how Jesus is greater than the angels. In chapter 3, he talks about how Jesus is greater than Moses. In chapter 4, he talks about how Jesus is greater than Joshua because of what Joshua represented. To the children of Israel, Joshua represented potential rest. They could have crossed over into the promised land, but because of unbelief and disobedience, they did not. However, however, they, he promises uh, an ultimate rest for us. Matter of fact, if you kind of want to know a title for the message today is that Jesus' rest is greater than the best of the rest. Because his rest is awesome. The, the preacher and the author of the book of Hebrews uses Old Testament scripture to illustrate this biblical concept and truth of biblical rest. D.A. Carson says that biblical rest is one of the 20 kind of themes, kind of the muscles, the tendons that hold the skeleton or the framework of the scriptures together. The Bible has a lot to say about it. At the end of every day, there's a night of rest. At the end of every six days, there's a day of rest. On the Hebrew calendar, every seven years or after every sixth year, there was a seventh year of rest. And after every seven, seven years, in the 50th year, there was a year of jubilee. It was a year of, of replenishment. It was a year of rest. And it just goes on how there were certain feast days that had rest tied to it. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, on the Day of Pentecost, the Feast of the Trumpets, on the Day of Atonement, the first and the last day of the Feast of the Tabernacle. I'm just simply telling you that in the creative work and action of God, he created rest into the rhythm of his creation. And he wanted you and I to understand biblical rest. Now, here's what most of us do, however. Most of us are clueless about rest because we think that this is rest. You know? We think, oh, baby, if I didn't have to go into work today, I could just rest. If I could take a day off, if I could take my vacation, if I could just get out of town, if I could go to the Bahamas, if I could go to Aruba, if I could go where it's warmer weather, if I could just do that, I could just rest. And I know a lot of people who take vacations and it is the most restless rest that they have ever had. Because rest, this is not the rest that the Bible talks about. There is a part of this in the Bible, but there is a rest that is more in our soul and in our hearts than it is in our body. Matter of fact, you and I think if we could just get off the clock, we could rest. Somebody paraphrased Psalm 23 uh, in this whole context, and here's what it said. It says, the clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down when exhausted, and it leads me into deep depression It hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. Oh my goodness, most of us live there. Even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it all done, for my idea is always with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My inbox overflows Surely fatigue and time pressure will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever. Don't you live there sometimes? You say, man, if I could just get some rest. 
I want you to understand that the rest that the scripture talks about is not the rest that, it's not the rest of the chair. It's, it's not just getting the time off. You know, we often think that the opposite of rest is work. That's not it at all. The opposite of rest is not work, but the opposite of rest is restlessness. And if you want to know, and I want you to know that Jesus offers you a rest greater than all the rest. Because his rest doesn't take, just take care of the physical weariness, but it takes care of the emotional and the spiritual restlessness. Man, we live, and I, I, I tell you, it has been a tough winter, hasn't it? My goodness, I just, there was one little clump of snow as I walked in. You know, there's still a few clumps. Man, I kicked the booger out of that thing on the way in. And it just seems like this has been like a winter of discontent and restlessness. And we kind of think that if we just move to a warmer climate, we'd be happier and we'd be at rest. You know, you'd be warmer. But if you're not happy here, you're not going to be happy there. If you're not at rest here, a change in your circumstance or a change in your geographical location isn't going to bring rest to you. Because this state of rest is a soul issue more than it is a body issue. In Hebrews chapter 4, there are three different types of rest that the preacher, the author of the book of Hebrews, throws our way. Look at verse 4. In Hebrews 4, 4, it says, For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day. In these words, And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. On the seventh day, God rested. Now here's the picture that most of us get. On the seventh day, God was tired. And God was wore out. And God sat down and went, whew, glad that's over. And just sat back and drank some lemonade and let the world spin on his axes and life go on. That is not what it means by rest at all. Matter of fact, the Sabbath rest has two connotations to it. It, it, it does have the idea of, uh, of physical rest, but God does not need physical rest. Number one, he's not physical, he's spiritual, and, and he is omnipotent and he's omnipresent. And if God were to ever take a nap, if God were to ever take a break, if God were to ever take a moment where he wasn't thinking about you, concerned about you, you realize you would, know, you would cease to exist. And all the stuff that we take for granted, the law of thermodynamics, the laws of inertia, friction, motion, gravity. If God were to stop thinking about those things, then, boy, you talk about chaos. When he rested on the seventh day, he didn't sit back and chill. He simply had just completed his task and was satisfied. Matter of fact, at the end of every day, he said, and it was good. It was good. And so when he rested, it also had this idea of replenishment. See, I think God's original intent was that he wanted to do his creative work in six days. And then the rest of eternity would have been one long, long eternal Sabbath where God and Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve's descendants could have all just kind of rested and fellowshiped together, been replenished by being together. Man, wouldn't that have been great? And sin sure did mess that up, didn't it? Matter of fact, the idea of refreshment and being refreshed is found in Exodus 31, 17 tells us that. Eugene P. 
Peterson describes the seventh rest for us as that uncluttered time and space in which we can distance ourselves from our own activities enough to see what God is doing. I love that. It's where we can unclutter ourselves and create a distance so we can separate ourselves from our activities and see what God is doing. It's always been God's desire for you to rest in him and with him. So there's a Sabbath rest. Now, by the way, today is, is not necessarily your day to go back and get, you know, start on the yard work and start cleaning out the garage and start doing all that kind of stuff. There is a part of this day which needs to be restful. There is a part of this day where you step back from what you do from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There is a part of this day where you step back and create some space so that as Hebrews 3.1 says, you can fix your thoughts on Jesus Christ. And that will refresh your soul. Well, there's another type of rest, and it's called Canaan rest. Look in the book of Hebrews, chapters five, or chapters, verses four, chapter four, verses five through eight. And again in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter into my rest. And it still remains that some will enter into that rest, those who formerly had the gospel preached to them who did not go in because of the disobedience. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. Within two years, Bible scholars believe they stood right on the brink of the promised land, the land of Canaan. And that was the, what it was known geographically. The promised land was the land that was known by the Jews. That land, the promised land, was also known as the land of rest. For when they would go into the promised land, God promised that there would be no more warring, there would be no more strife, there would be no this, that God would take care of them. And this was the place that God wanted them. And they got right to the edge of the promised land. And because of disobedience and unbelief, they turned back. And the consequence of that disobedience and that unbelief was that for 38 years, they walked around, they wandered around restlessly. In the desert. You, you see, this generation and this story represents a group of people that just struggle with God. And anytime you disobey or, or kind of walk in unbelief, man, there's going to be this conflict. There's going to be this restlessness in your soul between you and God. And if you don't, and if you're not obedient, which we know honors and pleases God... And you disobey, and then you know what's going to happen is your soul is going to try to find a way to perform well enough so that you would be good enough so that God would say, well done. The problem with that is it's all messed up. Because you're thinking that is, if, if life is a big scale, then, man, if I just do enough good stuff, do enough good stuff, do enough good stuff, do enough good stuff, and it weighs it down, and I stay away from the bad stuff. If I do enough good stuff, God in heaven is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, look at what you've done. And the whole issue is that because you're trying to impress God, listen, quit being concerned about trying to impress God with your goodness. Be impressed with the goodness of Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross. For it was there that he died for your sins. 
so that you can have rest. I mean, I'm talking about spiritual rest where you no longer fuss with God and fight with God and be in a contentious relationship with God, walk in unbelief and in disobedience with God, but that you so rest with Christ Jesus. It's talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Is really what the writer of the book of Hebrews is getting at. And it's talking about avoiding legalism. It's talking about avoiding trying to impress God. And it's, avoid, it's just talking about turning our heart and our life over to Jesus Christ. Man, there are some of you, you're in that performance trap. If you're just enough. If I'm just good enough, if I'm a good enough dad, if I'm a good enough mom, if I'm a good enough husband, a good enough worker, good enough teenager, good enough student, good enough this, good enough boyfriend, good enough girlfriend, good enough, good enough, good enough, good enough. And no matter how best your good is, it will never be enough. And God loved you so much, he knew that, so he created a plan. And the plan would be that what you truly needed was not to be good enough, but it would be found in Jesus Christ, who is more than enough, would come and die for your sins. So he came, died on a cross, so that through obedience and an exercise of faith, you could surrender your heart and your life to him and you could enter into that rest. Some of you, you're believers and you, you're, your relationship with Jesus Christ is anything but restful. Man, you are just so restless. You say, well, what is the idea of biblical rest? If it isn't this, then what is it? Uh, would, would you picture Don Myers and his boy Austin? And if Don would to carry Austin across the stage, that's biblical rest. That you rest in the strength and the goodness and the promises and the faith and the righteousness and the holiness and the love and the joy of someone greater than you, Jesus Christ. Christ. And when you're too weak to walk, he carries you. When you're too weak to, 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 to go on, he's there and he's your source and strength. Charles Swindoll said, God never asked us to meet life's pressures, pressures and demands on our own terms or by relying upon our own strength. Nor did he demand that we win his favor by assembling an impressive portfolio of good deeds. Instead, he invites us to enter into his rest. And how do you do that? By faith and obedience. By giving Christ your heart and trusting in him. I mean, man, just declare this restless war with God in heaven over and ask confession of, or confess sin and give Christ your heart and your life. There's one more rest I want to tell you about real quickly, and that's eternal rest. That's eternal rest. Dude, that's heaven. My, uh, my Aunt Jean, one of my favorite aunts, went home to be with the Lord. Friday morning, somewhere after the service, we're driving down to my mom and dad's. Uh, they will be shocked if I show up in this, I'll be honest with you, but uh, we're going to go down and we're going to celebrate my aunt's home going because she was a wonderful Christian lady. And she has entered into that, 
that eternal rest. Let me share the scriptures with you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1, and then eight, verses 8 through 11. Therefore, since the promise of entering the rest still stands, it wasn't just for the children of Israel on the edge of Canaan land, on the land of promise, on the land of rest. It's for you and I today. This promise of God's eternal rest still stands. I lost my place. Be careful that none of you be found to fall in short of it. Look at verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken them later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work. Do you get that? You quit sparring with God. You quit warring with God. You quit challenging God. You quit saying, yeah, but God. And you just simply say, okay, God, here we go. Just as God did from us. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following there the children of Israel who came to the very edge of the promised land and turned back through disobedience and, and lack of faith from their example of disobedience. He's saying, listen. There is a better place. Amen? You come to a church here that believes in a literal heaven. Amen? I do not believe that, hang, that heaven is Shangri-La or some mythical never-never land. I believe it's a very real place with very real people. I believe the promise of it is very real. And I believe that Jesus Christ, my Savior, is there waiting for the day when his father turns to him and says, Okay, go get him, son. It's homecoming day. And you talk about get out alive day. You talk about get out alive day down here. There's heartache and sorrow. Down here, there's tears and, and lack of joy. Down here, there's bills to pay. Down here, there's snow to shovel. Down here, man, there's, it just seems like it's a struggle. But man, one day when Jesus Christ comes and we go to that land of eternal rest, we go to that land of no more pain and no more sorrow and no more heartache. We go to that land of no more tears and thank God no more sin because Satan will utterly and forever be banished and gone and stricken and we will be there in the presence of God eternally at rest because Jesus Christ reigns as king and it's rest and that's why the writer of Hebrews would say that Jesus is greater than the rest of the best of the rest because his rest is superior to anything. Does it come easy? Oh, faith does. But this learning to trust and walk by faith. So the Bible tells us that there's this eternal rest in Christ. We have a love that can never be fathomed, a peace that can never be understood, a rest that can never be disturbed, a joy that can never be diminished, and a hope that can never be disappointed, and a spiritual resource that can never be used up. So what do you do with the Sabbath rest? What do you do with the Canaan land rest? What do you do with eternal rest? Right in the middle of all of that, you're going to find verse 7. Hebrews 4, 7. Look at it. It says this. Therefore God again set a certain day, calling it today. Now I don't know what day that was, but I know that today is today for you and me. I know that that verse means that today there's an opportunity 
for you to walk away from disobedience, to, for you to walk away from restlessness, from contentiousness with a holy God and enter into his rest. It says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Don't be like the people who got right to the edge of the promised land, right to the edge of the land of rest and turn back, but give Christ your heart today. And that's my challenge to you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, man, if there's just this thing in your heart that just seems like it's a struggle, and it's just a, a, man, everything, just nothing, you know, it's just, oh, man. Because I'm telling you, when you have this rest of Jesus Christ, your world could literally implode around you, but you're going to know everything's going to be all right because your heavenly Father is carrying you. You lean on His strength. You lean on his goodness. See, Hebrews 4, 7 says you have a choice. You continue, you continue your restless trying to impress God ways, or you can admit that you're not good enough, that you've sinned. But Jesus is more than enough, more than enough to take care of your sin and your sinfulness. And he is the only one who can give you rest. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29 says this. It says, I'm waiting for it because I can't remember it right now. Thank you. Come unto me. I'll just be honest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. That's the King James reading. Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened. Come unto me, all you who are spiritually restless, seeking and tired. And I'll give you rest. I'm not going to give you this. He says, he says, I got something better than this. If all you want is a vacation, he's saying, I got something a lot better than that. I got eternal rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And in Christ is the implication you will find rest for your weary, restless soul. So today is the day of salvation. You can choose this, or you can choose the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you can enter into his rest. So if today you are lost in your sin, and you're just wrestling with God, why not stop the fighting? throw up the white flag of surrender and just say, Jesus, you're greater. So would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes for just a moment? If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, why not right now pray a very simple prayer and ask him into your heart. Don't settle for the chair. Settle for Jesus who's greater than. Choose this day whom you will serve. Don't harden your heart through disobedience or unbelief. And so if you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, pray this prayer. Mean it with all the sincerity in your heart. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I'm tired of fighting with you. I'm tired of running from you. I just want to rest in you. Give me of my sins. And from this day forward, 
faith and obedience. I want you to be my rest and my strength, my peace. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. You can put an amen there, but keep your heads bowed for just 60 seconds more. If you prayed that prayer right now, I mean right now, you prayed that prayer. Ask Jesus in your heart. As far as I know, I'm the only one looking around. Would you just raise your hand right where you sit just to take a first step of faith, just to let me know so I can pray with you for you this week? Anyone pray that prayer today? Give Christ your heart. Man, God bless you. Thank you so much. And just raise it and put it right back down. That is exciting. Stop the fighting, man. Enter into his rest. Man, that's a that's wonderful church. Amen. Let me talk to the church for just a second, because that's who the book of Hebrews is written to. I, I would imagine there's a lot of you, teenagers, college students, mom, dads, grandmamas, granddaddies. Man, you you you've been fussing with God. You've been fighting with God. You've been having this restless thing going on between you and Jesus Christ. Why not raise the white flag of surrender and say, okay, Lord, enough's enough. You're greater. I trust you. I surrender to your will. I'm not going to disobey anymore. I'm going to be obedient. I'm not going to walk in unbelief. I'm going to walk in belief. Man, if you're a Christian here today and you just kind of have this restlessness going on in your soul and you say, Pastor, I'm tired of it and I'm ready right now just to pray and tell Jesus, I am tired of the fussing and I'm tired of the fighting and I'm going to rest in who he is, not in who I am. And I'm not going to try to impress anybody. I'm just going to follow Jesus Christ wherever that leads me. I wonder if there might be some Christians you'd raise your hand and say, Pastor, man, much spiritually, I've just been restless and I just want to enter into that rest with Jesus Christ. And, and uh, would you just pray for me? And thank you. God bless you. God bless you and you. I see you in the back. And yeah, I see you. Thank you so much. The cool thing is, thank you. God bless you. The, the cool thing is, is that when you say, Jesus, today I choose you. Jesus, today I surrender. He says, enter in to my rest. Come on in to the love. Come on in to the promises. Father, I want to pray for the one who gave their heart and life to you this morning. That's the win. That's the joy. We celebrate that. Angels.